It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. I want to say a special shout out and a thank you to those of you who are joining us for the first time. Thanks so much for tuning in to our broadcast. We broadcast daily Monday through Friday, as well as on Sunday mornings when we do it a little different, when we do it from a faith perspective. So I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of our experience. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, podcasting is sort of like radio on demand. So it's almost as if you get to hear your favorite radio show host whenever you want to. So make sure that you go to our page, download and subscribe to Spotify. If you're in the Google Play Store, look for Google Podcasts. And download and subscribe to our channel, Down to Earth with Harry Kamek. Make sure you look for us. I look forward to continue being of service to you. So today I want to talk, it's October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's also Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I wanted to talk about something that is non-traditional. And it's something that is a part of breast cancer, but it's something that we really don't talk much about it because the information on it is not so readily available. It is there, but for some reason we have overlooked it, and it's because it's non-traditional. Typically, when we talk about breast cancer, we reference women, and so it's very unusual to realize that men also have breast cancer, and that is a fact. So I came across the story, and I thought maybe it's time that we look at it because it is a part of male health. And being a part of male health means that we have to talk about everything associated with health. And sometimes we, we tend to forget, too, what it takes to, to be, uh, uh, you know, what it takes. And so for so often we think that breast cancer is just consigned to women, but it's not. Breast cancer is also about men. And why do men have breast cancer? I guess that's something you we, we're still trying to figure out. I guess it's something we're still trying to understand. But more importantly, it's something that we're all trying to, to make sure that if you're a guy and you end up with breast cancer, it's, it's important that you know that help is available so you won't be overlooked. Uh, I think men also suffer from the stigma of, well, uh, I don't have breasts because I'm a man. Well, you call it pecs. Those things on your chest with a little nipple, you probably call them your pecs or something. But I'm beginning to think that if there is a history of breast cancer in your family, I think men should start looking into just maybe you need to get tested, right? So today I want to talk about male breast cancer, and I want to shoot some stuff at you. And, and if you're a male, I suggest that you uh, go get checked out. So here's why male breast cancer is something to think about. 
one percent of 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 people who diagnosed with cancer are men. That's a statistic, right? Men also have breast tissue, right? Uh, men have breast tissue just like women do. It's just that you have less estrogen, right? The, the hormone that makes separates us male and female. And because of that, you should look into it. Now, traditionally what happens is men don't go in to get a mammogram because what are they going to look at? So they probably do something like 3D imaging where they just take a picture of the breast to see what's going on. But I think men should also examine your breast. I think you should do the same things we do. Hold your hand up, put your hand around your nipple, and see if there's a feeling under it for a nipple or something hard. I examine my breasts every day. And I've been doing this for more than 10 or 15 years now. So because I'm accustomed to how it feels, I'm probably going to know what if there is a change and if there's a difference, right? And I think that's a stage where uh, men should get to. Men should get to the stage where you examine your breast daily. I examine mine every night when, I, when I'm in bed. I examine my breast because at that time of the day, I'm still, I can hear, I'm not wearing a bra, that kind of thing, right? So I think men need to examine, especially the area around the areole, around the nipple, to see if there are any changes. And if you feel something, it shouldn't be there because there should be no lump or no hardness underneath it. So that's something to look at. If there's a discharge from the nipple, whether the discharge is clear fluid or bloody, you don't need to. There's no, nothing should come out of your breast because nothing, no fluid should come out of your breast. The only time fluid comes out of uh, a woman's breast is when she's about to nurse a baby. At no other time should fluid come out of the breast, right? And you're a man, and you're not going to nurse a baby, so there should definitely be no fluid. If there's a change in the skin texture, then you need to you need to say something. I saw a story where a guy uh, saw something, felt something in his breast, and he and his wife thought it was weird. Four months later, the lump was still there. By the time they decided to do something about it and went to the doctor, it was too late. He died two and a half years later from breast cancer. And what were the reasons that contributed to his death were something to look forward, to, to look at. If there is a risk factor, the risk factors are these, if there is a history of breast cancer in the family. So if a family member had had breast cancer, the potential for, a man, for you developing it, whether you're male or female, is greater. Previously, we just focused on women, but now we know that we have to look at men too. And that is something for many, for many men would never think about. Never in your wildest dreams would you think that it would be there. In fact, men don't even examine their breasts, except I guess when they're getting sexually stimulated, <laughs> right? And someone else is examining it for them. But men don't look at their breasts. They don't think about it because they don't think that it is something that, you know, that would happen to men. But guess what? It does, right? And it's time for us to sort of, in order to have survivability, we have to start looking at these things as if it's a health crisis and that it is something that is, is, is definitely supposed to, that, that could happen. I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying it could. So, as usual, prevention is better than cure. So, why not go into looking at uh, why, look, you know, examining your breast? It doesn't matter your age. In this one, age has nothing to do with it. 
So it's not like men over 45, men over 35. Just look at your breasts, guys. Just look at your breasts, right? Your pecs. You know, you go to the gym, you build up your chest muscles because you like that buff look, right? And you think the ladies like it. Go examine that and see what that is and see what that is like, right? Because this is a real thing and we need to we need to examine it, right? And in talking about breast cancer awareness, the same is true for women. I did a show earlier this year and talked about extensively what the contributing factors to breast cancer are. In fact, I did a show on a particular type of breast augmentation that the, the, the studies show and the experience and the data and the statistics show that that particular type of uh, equipment product that is used to be implanted into women to make our boobs appear bigger was in fact a contributing factor to breast cancer in over 410 cases. That's a high number. If you could say one out of 100,000, you could say, well, that's an anomaly. But 410 cases of breast cancer on any scale, whether you're examining 100,000 people or you're examining 1,000 people or you're examining a million people, 410 cases is something for you to look at, right? So uh, look into uh, look into the kind of product that is used to do breast augmentation. Personally, I have I'm grateful to God that I don't think that I need to 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 do you know some sort of enhancement of my breast. I'm very grateful for that. But there was a time when I didn't have breasts when when I wore like an A cup. And I used to that my boobs would grow. Like, seriously. I prayed about it, right? And I became pregnant and breastfed, and that's when my boobs grew. And I'm just saying that for a lot of women, women turn to augmenting our breasts because it enhances our appearance. It seems to make us more uh, appealing to, to people whom we want to be attracted to, especially men, right? Um, we can always talk about that. Oh, men get into that, but that's another for another day, right? But it seems as if, so women go to great lengths to increase their pop size, and you go to a surgery that is unnecessary because you don't need it. It's not life-threatening, right? I believe that surgery should be reserved for life-threatening situations. I don't believe in cosmetic surgery to improve or change anything, right? Because I believe that it leaves a mark. Well, it, it does. And breast cancer is one of them, right? So the thing, the, the product that they use to put in, the textured formatting has been shown to lead to breast cancer. And, and, I, and they're not enough. The, the manufacturers, obviously, the doctors involved in it and so on, and everybody who is making money out of it, they're invested in ensuring that the public does not know. Because if the public knows, then everybody's going to stop doing it. Then men will have to adjust, and we will have to adjust to a different standard of beauty, right? That makes us just as attractive and appealing without the enhanced appearance of a big boob. For whatever reason, it it seems to be more sexually appealing to men for us to have big boobs. I don't know why. I didn't make it up. I'm not making it up. It's not me who designed this. It is what it is. And so what we're finding now is that a whole group of people suddenly find themselves at the mercy. 
And women are like, oh, my gosh. Because one of the things that I've learned about breast augmentation is that you should take it out every 10 years. What I have learned is that the process to remove it is even more expensive and more rigorous than the process to put it in. So it becomes a deterrent for people to go and do it. One woman said she actually had to go to South America to remove it, to have it removed. And she did it because she wanted to get married. She was on air and she, you know, it, it, she did get married. But after she put the breast in, she became the, the, the product in to increase her cup size. She started getting sick. She started getting fevers and chills and she couldn't work anymore. And nothing, nothing worked. Finally, she figured out that it was the, the, the breast. So she went and had it removed. And luckily, she survived. She went to South America, got it down cheaper. And luckily, she survived, right? So she lives to tell the story. So now she's living the way she was born. I think we need to adjust our standard of beauty. I think men, that's all on you. You need to adjust what you consider to be appealing. So the burden is not placed on women to go have bigger boobs that ends up costing people their lives. One woman in the study, uh, when she complained about her breasts, her, her doctor, in fact, had stopped putting using that particular product. And when she stopped, when she stopped using it, the doctor said, well, you know, she wasn't going to do it. They came at her, right? And this woman said it was 12 years ago. She was younger. Uh, actually, she was 61 now or 68, and she did it when she was in her 40s. And she said it was a time in her life when she wanted to feel more attractive and more appealing. And she felt that she needed to. And the thing ended up giving her cancer. She had to cut it out, have surgery to remove it. She had to do a mastectomy and all that kind of stuff in order to survive. I am saying that it's time for us to become, as we become more health conscious, but we have to have healthier body images. We have to have healthier body positives and what we consider to be constructively attractive as opposed to an enhanced appearance. In much the same way people are enhancing their butts. You're putting stuff in your butts to make your butts look bigger, right? Instead of waiting for the results that, that are derived from long-term exercise, right? And so you put these things in your bodies that we forget our bodies are living organisms. So the stuff that we put in our bodies, guess what it does? It just travels around, right? Yeah, absolutely. It travels around, and it goes to all different parts of our bodies, and it sits there for years and years and years until it causes something to go wrong. In the event of breast cancer with, with, with an enhanced breast product, what they do is the saline, the, the texture of the material that holds the liquid that is put placed in the breast, it leaks. So the thing, the bag bursts and leaks and the fluid leaks into the body. That's what makes it, that was what made people sick. And it leaks into the, into the lymphatic uh, nodes, into your lymph nodes. It leaks into your body that makes people sick. Are these things that we need to talk about? We need to probably have healthier body images. Why is it that a woman must be a double D or a triple D in order to be considered attractive? Why can't she just be a person? It's how you're born. It's what you look like, right? And I'm saying all of that because I think people need to, I think we need to just simply understand what it is. We can't just, you know, you can't just, 
talk about what this is and, and what it's not, yeah? We can't just have people running around town and just looking like uh, everybody is a triple D and a double D. I saw one commercial once that they were like they had triple G size. And I'm like, for the love of God in Christ Jesus, that is absolutely heavy to walk around with. And I don't care how it makes me look. I'm not going to do that to myself. Right? And I'm not saying that all surgery is bad. Some cosmetic surgery is good if it's going to make you slimmer. Heck, to be honest with you, I could do with it. I probably could do with losing a few inches around my waist and around and so on. But I'm going to wait for the benefit of long-term diet and exercise that is proving to be much more effective and is less harmful. In other words, what I'm saying is when you consider the implications of cosmetic surgery, I think one of the considerations we need to determine is how harmful, and on a scale of 1 to 10, how harmful is this likely to be? I, I, I suppose that in some industry, if you're an actor, actress, model, or beauty queen, if that is your full-time job and your earnings are based solely on your appearance, I guess you're in a catch-22 situation because you don't have a choice. If you're an anchor on TV, you don't have a choice but to do surgery. The body is going to do what it does, organically break down, and over time it's going to show some wear and tear, even with the best possible care that you could apply. Believe me, friends, I have over the years exfoliated my skin twice a week since I was 18, the skin on my face and neck. I have been doing yoga for 27 years. I have been eating right all my life. And when I kid you not to tell you that eventually it goes to pot, eventually goes to pot. And even with the best forms of exercise, I've been doing the same yoga for 27 years. And all of a sudden, if you were to look at me, you wouldn't want, you wouldn't believe it. Why? Because there just comes a time when organically your body just is resistant to what it has become used to. So it's organic because that's the way it is designed to, right? So what I'm saying is for those of us women who are born with egg cups, maybe that's the way we are designed to be. Maybe we need to look at something else, right? Have longer hair. You know, that's a less invasive thing. Go get some hair extensions, right? Have longer hair uh, so that you can, you know, have longer hair or whatever. I don't know, you know. Because I'm not an advocate of just loosely doing surgery just because. Because I have found that certain types of surgery that are invasive prove detrimental over time. Earlier this year, I did a show on botched up surgeries. And I did a show from the perspective of what happens when people choose, elect to do surgeries that are non-life-threatening. And they choose to do cosmetic surgery either based on someone else's impression of what you should look like, someone else's opinion, maybe someone important to them emotionally derided their appearance, and so they felt unattractive. And because that person made them feel unattractive, they have internalized it to believe that they're unattractive, period. And so I'm saying we need to have healthier body positive. You know, we need to have healthier body images of how and what we look like what we should look like, how, how do I feel that I should look at this stage of life as opposed to how I looked when I was in high school. Taking into this, this unnatural expectation, especially on women, to look like you're perpetually 14 or 15 is unrealistic. 
And what it has done is, you, you look at women in Hollywood, for instance, and I'm like, oh, my God, you're 60 and you look like you were in high school with your body type. I know you're taking drugs to keep looking that slim. I know you cannot be healthy. It's unnatural. And the same is not expected of men. And that is unfair, as unfair as it should be. And that is also an unrealistic expectation placed on women to maintain an appearance that cannot be. You know, we're talking about breast cancer. We're talking about breast cancer. Why do these things happen? It's a combination of diet. It's a combination of exercise. But it's also a combination of health care, right? And, and, and these things impact people. I mean, if people don't have health insurance, guess what? They're least likely to go to the doctor. They're least likely to check their breasts. And they're least likely to get a mammogram. And because by the time they figure out that something is wrong, guess what? It's too late. We also need to have better body, body positive. We need to make sure that we're not telling the messaging should not be to women. The bigger your breasts are, it's the more attractive and appealing you're going to be. We need to change that. Men, it's all on you. And don't sit back and just smile and encourage a woman who goes out to do surgery. To, you know, you need to talk to her and say, why do you feel the need that you should? That could be proved detrimental to you. Right? We need to talk about these things in an open forum so people know what their options are. If you have a daughter or niece or a cousin's friend who is contemplating doing breast augmentation, talk to them about it. Why is, do you think it's necessary? Who is making you feel so unattractive that you feel compelled to walk into a surgeon and say, put a double D breast on me and then I'm going to be beautiful? If you don't think you're beautiful in your head already, no matter how many triple G's you put in, you're still not going to think you're beautiful. So the problem is not in what someone else thinks. The problem is where you think about yourself. Because as I, 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 I kid you not, maybe I was blessed and lucky that in an earlier time in my life that I was in beauty pageants and I was, in, I was a model. So maybe, you know, people affirmed publicly that I was beautiful. But I didn't grow up that way. In fact, when I was growing up, nobody around me ever told me that I was pretty. Nobody told me, especially my mother. It was up until maybe about nine months before my mom died, I asked her, why did you never tell me that I was pretty growing up? I said, do you have any idea how that could have changed my life? Because for years, I didn't know I was pretty. Do you know when I found out I was pretty? Somebody suggested I go into a pageant. And I said, why? And they said, because you're a pretty girl going to a pageant. And then I walked into a pageant and all of a sudden everybody started telling me so I had to accept it because the evidence was overwhelming. Do you see what I'm saying? But because the people around me never affirmed it or never expressed it, especially the people who were emotionally important, I never knew it to be true. And my mother could not answer the question even as an adult when I asked her. She's been gone now for two, 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 almost two and a half years, right? And six, nine months before she died, when I asked her, she still couldn't, she never answered the question. She could never tell me, why did you never tell me that I was pretty when I was a child? And obviously, I was. But why was it, why did you never say it? What made you think you shouldn't have said it? I had to become an adult. So when I had a boyfriend, when I was in my early 20s, and when I was a teenager, 
and he told me that I was pretty, I didn't believe him. I thought he was just because he was my boyfriend, you know, he was just saying stuff. No, he was saying what was true. And it helped me to understand why some of the things that happened happened and so on. And I asked my mom, I said, why did you never do that? Do you see what I'm saying? So I'm saying that our images of ourselves come from a place where they were either affirmed or not affirmed from an early stage or at a key developmental stage in our lifetimes. And when that lack thereof exists, especially from people whom we deem emotionally important, then we're going to search for it or we're going to try to identify with what their ideal of beauty is. <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it, it's simple, right? Even in our society today, the standard of beauty used to be blonde, blue-eyed, right? Not anymore. The standard of beauty is now kind of ambiguously ethnic. I'm not sure what you are, but I accept you. Wait, your eyes are brown? Great. That's okay. Your eyes are dark? Okay. But I think I like you being ambiguously ethnic, right? Thank uh, Kim Kardashian. That. And there's nothing absolutely wrong with that because that standard of beauty of being white, blonde, and blue-eyed was never uh, representative of everyone in the population. So it needed to be modified and adjusted so that everybody else who is not blonde, blue-eyed, and white could feel just as beautiful. Because if you're watching TV and all the images on all the commercials that say and typify beauty, don't look like you, then you're going to think that something was wrong with you, why you're not beautiful. So we needed to modify that and change that, right? So now that we're embracing all the ethnic content of our population and how the family of human faces look, now that we're doing that, we're changing the imagery of ourselves. But there's still a little bit further we need to go. We need to stop having women look and what I refer to as androgynously. So you see a woman, but you can't tell if she's a girl or boy because she's narrow hips and she doesn't have a waistline. We need to change that. That came from homosexuals who like who used to who were in charge of the model industry and the fashion industry who would put clothes on women who didn't have hips or or who didn't have breasts. And so that image that that's what makes a woman attractive. She's slender, skinny. No, no butt, no hips, right?
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.